All right, so, okay, we're going to get this show started because Keisha is in the building and we're having a really good time. So I'm going to get my notes together because I always, every single time I do this show, I have to be like, okay, let me think. Okay, so now I have everything. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to go. Sometimes I know exactly what you're going to say. Every single month, your bank account is overdrawn. The world is a business. A husband is what's left of a sweetheart after the nerve has been killed. Walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. You have selfish, ignorant citizens. You're going to get selfish, ignorant leaders. You mean like Democrats? Well, we both agree that must be the reason. Why not let the folks themselves ask for something that they like to hear? We are knee-deep in a pool of stagnation. Oh, no, no, wait a minute, friends. You don't want to hear that, do you? Yeah! yeah. Okay, so hi, my name is Stephen Smith. You are here with Objectively Incorrect. We have a beautiful guest in the studio, uh, a good friend of mine. Uh, we've done some projects together. She's roped me into more things <laughs> than, I, than I could stand to count. But she's extremely talented and she's extremely passionate. We have no, no one else but Keisha Adams in the building. Keisha, say hi. Hi, She's guys. really nice. She's really much nicer than it. She's like mother extraordinaire, wife extraordinaire. And she is doing an amazing job. But we're going to be talking to her about drama today. Because that's her like bread, butter, salt. <laughs> and what else? Like the seasonal thing, a little bit of pepper sprinkled in there, and she has the attitude. Uh, She's okay. a director. <laughs> so she know if you ain't if you ain't shaping up, <laughs> Keisha gonna have you shaping up, okay? You come and set you serious or you leave. Okay, she's not that bad. She's not that uh, bad. Charlie used to call me the taskmaster. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and we put the sound effect like that whip sound effect. <laughs> so Keisha is here with us today. And as usual, we're going to have the first part of our show. is going to be our true, true or false or incorrect or correct phase. And we're going to give you five statements, Keisha. And you're going to tell us if you think it's true, if you think it's false, if you think it's incorrect or correct. Cool. Yes. All right, let's do it. Let's have a little bit of fun. Now, usually people turn this into a game because we have five questions. The traders said they're going to get most questions right. <laughs> we don't really have a lot of people winning this game if it's a game. Okay, uh, my girlfriend just look at me. I kind of weird. Like, I've won the game before. I don't think she did, though. Okay, maybe she did. Maybe she did. <laughs> All right, no problem. No problem. I'm not going to get into that argument right now. I did, I did think she lost. Um, so the first thing is, Lightning never strikes the same place twice. That's number one. Lightning never strikes the same place twice. What do you think? Is it true? Is it false? What do you think, Kishore? The options are true, false, correct, or incorrect, or just true or false? It's true or false. False. Okay. <laughs> wow, man. Okay, so Kisha got the first one correct. She's off to <laughs> an amazing start, so one of one. And the thing is, the, the, the thing is, like each of these, each of these statements, I have to do like a little research to make sure I understand whether they're correct or whether they're not correct. And okay. I said, like, it's very dangerous for you to assume that lightning is gonna never gonna That's strike true. the same place twice. I mean, there are like uh, lightning rods yes. that they have on the top of tall buildings to try to attract the lightning. Exactly. So like, it, don't, don't like you know, if you see lightning strike over there on the tree, like, just run no. away from if that. If the conductor tree. is right, it will happen. It will happen. Yes. So it might not be the best time to be playing golf, you know. Uh, playing a kite. So, you know, get, get if you see a lightning storm, let's, just get out of my... So, Keisha has the first one. Man, this ain't shaping up good for me. This is <laughs> too easy. the first one. This is too easy. Okay, so number two. In 2010, the oldest man in Japan, Sajin Kato, was found dead for 30... And he had been dead for 30 years. Let me rephrase again. In 2010, the oldest man in Japan, Sajin Kato, was found to have been dead for 30 years. True or false? 
How is that possible? <laughs> the oldest guy. <laughs> That's false. It's false. It is true. How is that possible? It is true. Like the, How the oldest is, man could be found to be this dead. Is, this is what happened. Like his family, his family was cashing in on his, um, his retirement checks. Oh. So he died in 1989. Oh. But they kept telling everyone that he was still alive. But technically, it's still false. It, it, well, technically. It's illogical. The question is illogical because this is he why can't she, be dead and alive is, at the same time. So it was just a scam. It was a scam. It was a scam. <laughs> but the thing is, it, the, the thing is, what's true about it is that it actually I happened. On paper, on paper, paper he would register as being as alive. As being alive. Yes. But the funny thing is, um, Japan seems to have really bad, uh, at that point in 2010, which is really not that far back, they had really bad like um, record keeping. Mm-hmm. So it was always more of a word of mouth. Like, but yes. what happened that day is that they went to wish him, what, what was it? His it's 111th birthday. They went to visit him and bring ah. gifts. And when they got in there, the guy was mummified. They literally didn't bury the body. They just had the body inside oh, the place. Wow. Just mummified. That is dedication. That is, they're dedicated <laughs> to this life. They're dedicated to this life. Some of them went to jail. And they ended up getting 117000 US dollars over the years. Wow. For his, like, his pension and so on. So they went to jail, definitely. That's a good pension, though. That is good. I, I think that almost sounds like I want to try to do something a little illegal. No, I won't. No, no. Okay, so now we're one of two. So let's see, if Ke- let's see what Keisha could do. I'm still put. technically right, but yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, according to these rules. All right, so three. Studies have proven that, the, that compared to most other land-bound mammals, bats have very poor eyesight. Let me repeat that. Studies have proven that Compared to most other land-bound mammals, bats have very poor eyesight. Is it true? Is it false? Oh, God, I should know this one. You probably From National should. Geographic. National Geographic, this is coming in handy. Yeah. Uh, because it's a, uh, it's a misconception that bats are actually blind. But is it? They're not. But compared to other mammals. Compared to other mammals. Is it true? It's false. Oh man! Because I started off easy and I'm getting harder. They're not blind. That's why I was saying that they're not blind. Because that's a misconception. It is a misconception. It is a misconception. The only difference between, I mean, most animals, most mammals and bats is that bats see in black and white. But because they see in black and white, they see very high contrast. So bats actually have, at night, they see better than human beings do. I would like to know which bat told us that they see in black and white, but yeah, okay. You know, I always (laughs) ask, that's a funny question, because there's also a crustacean um, that sees in ultraviolet. How do we know this? I think they, they take the eyes and I don't know if they shine a light through it. I, I have the, I, I'm thinking. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really not sure. All right? But they do, they, they, they lack color receptors, but in low light, they can see color. We can't, okay, in low light, human beings can't see color either. Like, if we had to turn these lights off and just a little bit of light, we would actually lose color yeah. perception, which is something we don't normally... You know, we probably take for granted. You go out in the dark and you're just seeing in black and white, but you're not really realizing Registering. that you're seeing in black and white. Yeah. But they have very good eyesight. They have good eyesight. Very they do. They I don't. know that for a fact. Keisha. See, I've been going against everything that my, my brain has been telling me. So Say go the opposite. With it. Go with it. <laughs> no, because then I'm going to start going with it and still get them wrong. <laughs> oh, okay. So you, you have to use intuition. So number four. <clears throat> 
Because of the specific conical receptors in a bull's eye, they are specifically sensitive and threatened by large targets painted in red. That's false. Oh, man. She got it right. It's yes, because false. the misconception is that the red in the cape makes them think, but it's not. It's the movement. It's the movement. It's the movement that agitates them. Did you come prepared for this? No, I actually know questions? that one. I know that one really good. It's National Geographic. She's... <laughs> You actually went so that's man. I, I thought we would have completely you no know, man. I thought we would have won you. Lord, I just get to Toronto. <laughs> so now it's the tiebreaker, but you're actually absolutely right. It's the motion of the matador mm -hmm. and not the color of the cape. No. He's actually taunting the bull most of the time, yes. and the dance, everything is just. I think that's one of the most dangerous things. It's cruel. Uh, and the thing is, they kill you know they kill the bull yes, at the end. It's cruel. They torment them and then kill them. And then kill them. I think that's, that's pretty... It's that's cruel. Pretty. That's why a lot of people have been speaking out against it. And I'll, in some places, it has been stopped. Wow. That's why I personally don't feel sorry when any of them get, get killed, get gorged or anything. I don't want anybody to die, but... Just gorged? Yes, I don't mind them getting gorged. Learn, learn the lesson. Learn the lesson well with a little bit of pain. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we are up to the last question. This is number five. We're going to see if Keisha could win this one, take this one home. I'm pretty sure Talia was in a similar situation, but let's see what happens. All right. So dogs have amazingly powerful antibacterial microbes in their stomachs. These microbes make it almost impossible for them to spread dangerous bacteria and viruses through saliva. I think it's supposed to be common. Yeah. Common bacteria, not dangerous. Common bacteria and viruses through saliva. Let me repeat that. Dogs have amazingly powerful antibacterial microbes in their stomachs. These microbes make it almost impossible for them to spread common bacteria and viruses through saliva. I don't know anything about dogs. <laughs> I don't like dogs <laughs> per se, but I just think kissing dogs is gross. Um, is it true or is it false? False. Oh my God, and Keisha just won. <laughs> She's the first. No, she's not the first one to win. But anyway, she just won. Yes, it's true. It's false, actually. It's false. Dogs' mouths are no cleaner. In, in fact, they are much dirtier than human mouths. Mm -hmm. Dogs are known to transmit rabies, tetanus. Dog mouths are teeming with bacteria that, because they eat and lick all sorts of gross things like yes. garbage, carcasses, and of course, poop. Yes. Yeah. Like, when I was younger, I had a, a funny story about dogs. Like, my dad loves dogs. He loves, loves dogs. I don't really know. To me, sometimes he's not so nice to humans. But he's really nice to dogs, right? I know people like that. And, like, he would have them, like, licking their face. And at one point when I was younger, I was like, oh, it's so cool because the tongue's warm and they lick your face and stuff. And I was like, okay, this is really cool. And then it's like, you ever smell a dog's breath? Like, you'd, have you ever smelt... It's this is gross. The nasty. They lick everything. And and we we have like human beings have opposable thumbs and hands. So most of the times when we interact with the environment, we're interacting with our hands. Mm -hmm. But dogs don't have any hands. So everything is their mouth. Like everything they touch, their mm -hmm. tongue, everything slobbering all over the place. Mm -hmm. terrible. That's that's actually why babies put everything in their mouth. Yeah. Yeah, because that's more sensitive when they're babies. Yeah, because so, they're hands. Yeah. They just put everything in their mouth. <sighs> It's like food, toys. That's why they need you. so much supervision. <laughs> they put your fingers in their mouth. And there's a lot of slobbering. <laughs> I don't know if they're supposed to like, like, act as an antibacterial. And it's because they can't control their saliva ducts yet. Oh, they can't? No. You know, the, the only way that we would have all of this information is if you were a mother. 
Like I feel like I, I don't know why right now, but like I think we're like the most educated like generation, are we? But yet not really having this traditional education. Mm-hmm, that's true. So like we don't like, we don't have any like, and I think it's because maybe we're so isolated now in life. Like we try to start from scratch to build something. Like we we don't like start from okay. Like we don't pass it like a relay. Yeah. Like, like, it's almost like the Indians and, and the Chinese and all these guys, they have legacy businesses that they pass down to you. And all of that tradition passes down the line. But we as, like, I don't know, black people, island people, we just kind of like, well, that's daddy them house. I'm going to make my own um, house. Well, thankfully, I didn't start in, like, this generation, per se. Oh, mm-hmm. um, and I, had, I didn't have to wait till I became a mother to actually have experience with children because mm-hmm. I have younger siblings. And I had to change diapers, like diapers, cloth diapers mm-hmm. that needed washing, cloth diapers, oh the pin with um, the big safety pins, <laughs> diapers, uh-huh. stuff like that. Um, I had that with the plastic pants, pants, because it was like my little brothers and stuff. Okay. Yeah. So, so you I had, had that. that. Mm-hmm. I, my mother, my mother didn't allow me to change my sister's diapers. I didn't have that. Like she, I mean, we would have to look, look. I, I want to say observer. To make sure she don't die, like that was just all we had to do. Like that was all that was the brunt of our responsibilities. I never had to change a diaper for my sister. I mean, I changed a couple of diapers, but just just for my sisters. Nah. But anyway, guys, we're here to talk about drama. So, Keisha, <laughs> when did you? I mean, you went to you went to college to study. Yes, I mean, I did. How, how long ago was that? I mean, how was that experience for you? Um, I graduated in two thousand six. Two thousand six. So wow, it's been a while. Years. It has been a while. Oh. 12 years. Yes, time has flown, <laughs> to say the least. So 12 years ago, where, where did you study? I was doing a joint degree at UWE in Jamaica, in Mono, and the Edna Manley College for the Visual and Performing Arts. Edna Manley. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, at the time, we had to do it joint, mm-hmm. but currently, I'm happy to say that they do offer full art degrees mm-hmm. in all areas. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. But why did you choose like why did you choose to go into 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 drama? Like why drama? I was bored. You're bored? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's I the, know that's not the answer you expected. Yeah, I thought it would have been inspiring like, well, you know, while I was younger. No, I'll I'll tell you no, this is the background. I when I was in high school, I wanted to do art subjects. I wanted to draw and I wanted to play like the saxophone and stuff like that. My dad wanted me to play the piano. I didn't want to, but I went to the classes until I didn't have to. And then I ran away from that. Um, I did art until it clashed with my business subjects because when you're growing up in certain environments and certain things are expected of you, then you feel the pressure um, to do what is expected, expected. more than mm-hmm. what you love, love yeah, that's true. or more than what attracts you. And uh, whereas some people are academic or artistic, and some people are artistic and not academic, mm-hmm. some of us get, you know, both. That's true. And I functioned well both ways. Both. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do woodwork. You wanted to do what? Woodwork. In third form, when we were picking our subjects for CXA, uh-huh. I wanted to do woodwork. And I went to the woodwork center to like Sign say like to the teacher, I want to do woodwork. And he said, I don't want you in my class. Because it's, it, I mean, traditionally, I'm not so sure if, if everyone listening has it a It had background. nothing to do with like tradition per se. 
some of them were just sexist. Um, exactly, and and that's what I mean. Like 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 it, it, the, the the sexist. I've never seen a girl do woodwork. No, work, but that's the thing. I ever. did. Like girls would like be in home ec. No, but I did. I did see girls do it. The problem, the difference, the only difference between me and them was how we carried ourselves. I was. For want of a better term, I was girly in their eyes. Mm -hmm. I never considered myself to be like ultra girly. Mm -hmm. They did. And the girls that were like ahead of me that got to do it were more tomboyish because one of my cousins got to do it. And she she didn't come across to them as like being particularly like pretty and like, you know, princessy Mm -hmm. and whatnot. And apparently that's how they viewed me mm-hmm. and the teacher basically told me that I don't want your cousin and the other guys to cut off their hands I said it would suit them that it's, is sexist it is, <laughs> is and he refused to let me do the subject and because like like I said growing up in the time that I did it didn't really dawn on me that it makes it made sense to protest it mm-hmm. it's like the teacher said no so you just went with it mm-hmm. and I ended up doing like more business and like um, business and typing and stuff like that. That just sounded like I was going to be a secretary or something. Yeah, it does. It, but it, 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 it kind of. But you see, it, it reinforces that kind of misogynistic stereotype. Yes. Like it's like, well, if you're 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 marginally pretty, or you're pretty, I'm sure when you were like thing, you were, you're not as pretty as no. But still, oh, I'm just shush. saying. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's it's sad when like you're limited based on the way you look yes. versus what your interests are because. Yes. I could only imagine if you did woodwork. I mean, I mean, how much different would your life be now? True, because the thing is, I grew up in the middle of sawdust because that's what my dad did. Oh, your father he, was, he's yes. A con- he does construction. Mm-hmm. I grew up with him doing construction, but once he was home, my dad was building furniture. He was... Um, just a little story. Mm-hmm. Like, what? my father made his own like wooden pot spoon mm-hmm. to turn corn. And my aunt came to the house one time, and she was helping us do some stuff. And she saw it, and she said, oh, can you make one of these for me? Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, go with that. Whenever they'll just make another, another one. one. So one day, um, it just popped in his head to go and turn some corn. And Stevie, I kid you not, when he opened the drawer, he realized that the spoon was missing. Mm-hmm. And I saw my father turn down the fire low and run down to the woodwork shop and cut the wood and cut out the spoon. And then run came around. He just ran up the, <laughs> the yard. Oh, my pop bunny just make it like fun yeah, of uh, it. Uh, and then ran in and just turned the <laughs> And he saved it? Yes. <laughs> yes, I what? was like, yeah, it good. <laughs> but yes. Yes, wow. that, that's just like stuff he did. And mm-hmm. I, I like the smell of saw, sawdust mm-hmm. and all of those. And they probably inhale too much. But yeah, I like the, um, the craft. The craft. I liked it and I wanted to do it. But and did he teach you anything? Did he, did he show you how to do anything when it um, came to? That's the other thing. Like I wasn't really allowed too much in the woodwork shop. Like when like the guys were there, like mm-hmm. his friends and stuff, yeah. like he kept kept me like, no, the guys are here, no, stay in the house, you know. Mm-hmm. I was at the time I was his only daughter, so yeah, my brother could be there like anytime, but I could only be there if it was just us. If it was just, but but when when it was just you and him, I mean, did he did he show you anything or is no, it? I just that- got to help. We just got to help. So like, just pass that standing, that, yeah. yeah. So my my brother got to do stuff. My dad would have loved you more than he would have loved me. <laughs> I'll tell you the truth. Like when I grew up, my father is—he's a contractor as well, but he does—he's more of a wood furniture, wood finisher. Mm. Or I don't know. Just call him a woodworker. God, I hope that that doesn't come off as too 
Um, anyway, let's just move on. But he, he did that. He loved that. And I, for some reason, I just never caught that. that I never liked the smell of sawdust. Like, my only memories of him working would be um, him outside making a lot of noise at mm-hmm. two or three o'clock in the morning, making mm-hmm. a, a cabinet or something, and I'm not being able to sleep the way I want to sleep. So, so it's like I never got that passion. I mean, I like creating things, but just not, not necessarily those creating things. Those, those things. things. Like I ended up adopting more of what my mother was, which is my mother is a poet and she's a literary. She's a literary. Ah, that's where you get it from. Genius, really. And and she used to do these poems. And for some reason, I just like writing. Like and I, that's I, I grew up to like writing. My father never ad- adjusted to that. He was like, "You guys don't even play football." Like you know, well, you don't have to. I don't yeah, think he didn't. To. He didn't say you have to, but he was a little so. disappointed. <laughs> So um, I went to sixth form. I did. I wasn't really interested. Yeah, it, so, it sounds weird when you hear me say, like, I just, like, mm, let my way through sixth form. <laughs> oh, as no. I did exams off of memory. Like, if I knew it, I knew it. If I didn't know it, oh, well, too bad. Um, yeah, that was that my approach depressing. to sixth form. I, I didn't realize that I was mm. until, um, I mean, I ended up passing on my... Um, A levels and stuff. I didn't have to repeat any. It's just that I didn't pass them like glowing colors, which I didn't care. It's like I passed them. That's it. I just don't want to repeat a stage in my life. It's passed, and that's sure. it. And then I decided to go straight to university. So I did level one here, mm-hmm. um, and I said, okay, I'm going to do like uh, human resource management. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I started doing the business courses and stuff, and. I realized, oh my God, this sucks. Oh no. And this was after, this is when within the first year, you said? Yeah. I hate accounts. Like, I literally detest <laughs> accounting. Wow. And I knew something was wrong when I failed English. Mm. Like, that was my subject. And I failed English. And I was like, I, I remember locking myself in the bathroom stall and just crying. I was like, I didn't care about the other subjects. I was like, I failed English. Oh, my God. Right? And then I was like, you know what? I need to take a break. Mm-hmm. And I asked for a deferral. And I took off for a year. And while I was there, my old agricultural science teacher mm-hmm. from high school, he came to me. He was like, what are you doing with yourself? I was like, I'm being a bum and enjoying it. <laughs> so you were a bum for a year? No, that was the plan, okay. to be a mm-hmm. bum for a year. But I wasn't home very long. Mm-hmm. He came and he was like, I need an agri teacher. Uh-huh. And I was a really good agri student. Uh-huh. So I was like, I need an agri teacher. And I was like, oh, sure. I love agri, you know? Let's do some agriculture. And, but... Uh, when I went to the ministry, they didn't send me to Kewanai. Mm. They sent me to Washi. To Washi. Uh-huh. And uh, um, I taught there for a year. Mm-hmm. I have mixed feelings about that, um, that experience. I, I mean, is it, is it that you had mixed, ex- mixed, mixed, mixed um, feelings because of the staff or you had mixed feelings because of the program that you were in? Like, no, I loved agri. Okay, so you loved agriculture. The problem was not the program. Mm-hmm. Um there's there's this thing that happens in education that sucks um, where new teachers, especially untrained teachers, mm-hmm. come in and sometimes it's like being thrown into a shark pit. Like there's no, not much guidance. Yeah. Or and, training um, in any way. And then a lot of the times, um, a lot of, well, back then, mm-hmm. a lot of the times what they would do basically mm-hmm. is give you the new teacher, like the remedial classes. Oh. And whatnot. Which is even more difficult. It's worse because the thing is, 
you need trained personnel on remedial classes because they would understand the psychology of these children and stuff like that. And be able to actually help them. And be should be able to help them. Should be able to help them. Right? Operative word. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the times, like, seasoned teachers didn't want to teach these children because, you know, they're troublemakers and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I was 19. This was rough. And I had an advocate there, and he... You know, he like lobbied vehemently on my behalf, mm -hmm. and I managed to get like some relief. They took away like two of the two or three, yeah, they took away two of the remedials. Mm -hmm. So like I had like three, four remedials mm -hmm. and two decent two, classes. Uh, decent, a lot, man. <laughs> but yeah, no, decent in terms of they didn't take much. You could teach them and have fun with them mm -hmm. and stuff without having to like yell every day and feel like you're going crazy every mm -hmm. day. Because then stuff. it would just turn tedious and I think it would just be, it would be awful. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It was tear inducing at the beginning before I got that change, trust me. Wow. And uh, I decided that during that year mm -hmm. that I am going to go back to university but I'm going to apply to change my course mm -hmm. to do something that I think would please me mm -hmm. more than it would please anybody. True. And that's how I ended up doing drama. But wait, so, so I'm going to backpedal just a little bit. So you're saying that like during the time that you were growing up, like what was your drama experience like? I mean, before you made that, that, mm -hmm. that, that, that change, what, what was your drama experience like? I, um, church is always a good foundation for oh, a lot of things. I was just to say church. And <laughs> I spent a lot of time on the church stage, mm -hmm. whether it was singing. Well, I, I always used to sing. Uh, we were always in choirs. So, like, that was, a, that is a part of my history that, like, I hold near and dear. Mm -hmm. And I sang in primary school, in high school, sixth form. You know, I went to university. I sang in the um, oh, UWE chorale oh, and stuff. Yeah, um, and when um, during that time, mm -hmm. we used to do you know little skits mm -hmm. in church. Of course, little skits in so school. You guys used to do like um, because I grew up in church too. Like I grew up, I grew up on the church stage. I'll be honest with you. Like mm -hmm. we, my mother was like she's extremely passionate about children. Like just ex just extremely. So when I was like six years old, seven years old, I was already singing in the choir. Mm -hmm. the youngest member didn't care, was just there. And the skits would come around more or less at Christmas. the end, at Christmas, the, the Christmas season, Easter. for the Christmas program. Thanksgiving. Easter. <laughs> we, we wouldn't have any for Thanksgiving, but I remember Easter, the East, there was an yes. Easter program, and there was especially the Christmas program. Yes. And I started acting in that when I was probably like 10. Okay. Like 10. And I loved it. Like, loved it. But anyway, continue, carry on. No, so. I, I, yeah, no, it's right. Because, I mean, apart from, like, doing skits, you know, we always had, like, recitations. Yeah. And next Dances. Week, I did. I, well, I was not allowed to dance until I got older. Mm -hmm. And I insisted upon it. Okay. Because, like, I grew up, like, with old-fashioned um, Christians who mm -hmm. didn't believe in, like, dance being in church oh, and stuff. Nice. And then, like, my know. aunt eventually, like, got around to, like, the, you know, times are changing. You need to evolve And stuff, yeah. You know, she didn't even uh, um, accept that I wanted locks when I first wanted locks. Uh -huh. And then... She has locks, ladies and gentlemen. Just <laughs> and then when I... I didn't lock my hair until, like, I came... Long after I came home. Because okay. I wanted to do it in Jamaica... 
I didn't because basically I probably wouldn't have anywhere to live when I came home. So you so leaned into it slowly. I yielded. And <laughs> then eventually she understood that it was a hairstyle and it wasn't going to change me. So when I did it, she accepted it and we were fine. And so I guess, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of being patient and allowing things to, to take, take place. Take place. So wow. you so your your experience in, in Edna Manley. Mm -hmm. So your experience in Endermanly with drama, like, I mean, how did that, how was that experience for you? How did that shape you? How did that, I mean, was it what you expected it to be? Was it easy? I don't even know what I was expecting. Um, I went to Jamaica because I always knew Jamaica had such a, like, rich culture. Like, growing up mm -hmm. on, like, um, VHS tapes of Oliver <laughs> and, you know, Dancehall Queen mm -hmm. and all of those things. And then in sixth form, the university singers came and our choir got to go half brace mm -hmm. um, to see them with Mr. Knight. Thanks, Mr. Knight. <laughs> we got to go and see them mm -hmm. and uh, they just like, they sold it. They sold, they sold it the for experience. me. Everything. They sold it for me. I wanted to be a part of that and whatnot. Like the dances in Jamaica, like the acting, like the costuming, everything was just amazing. amazing. And I wanted to be a part of that. Wow. And, <clears throat> but I still didn't know what I expected because we didn't have drama here. Like, so mm -hmm. we have skits. Yes, that's what we had. We do not have trained. Actors, it's Christian, it's no, <laughs> right? Everybody just doing as they like, yeah. and but but I remember before I left, um, like long before I left, there was a, a program that we were supposed to be doing at church, mm -hmm. and there was a skit that we were supposed to put on, um, in the youth department. Mm -hmm. And I remember when the older ladies gave me a book. I will not call the author's name because mm -hmm. of what I did. Mm -hmm. I he she gave me a book and told me to pick a script out of it. Mm -hmm. I took the book and I was reading the scripts and I basically took a pencil to the copy. I copied this skit mm -hmm. that we chose. And I took a pencil basically well no, it was a red ink pen. I was in teacher mode. And I basically went through and I like corrected what needed correcting. What are you saying? Fixed, fixed what needed fixing and like made it interesting. Wow. And I realized, like, technically, uh -huh. I wouldn't fit if I, like, followed this. Mm -hmm. It would just disrupt my mental flow all the time. So I was like, you know what? Let me just leave the people's stuff alone. I did the corrected version of the thing of that, that I wanted. Yes, mm -hmm. I did a corrected version of it. And we had a good time. And everything, and you know, it was funny, and the message was good, and all of that, right? So, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, the point of it is for the message, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the message went through loud and, loud and clear. Fine. So, I still didn't know what I expected when I went because there was no background mm -hmm. for it, there was no backdrop for it. When I got there, it was like dashing cold water <laughs> in your face, dashing cold water, and like shock. and oh my God, like people behave this way. And it was such a culture shock and everything. My, my brain took a while to adjust. To adjust to it. What, what is it? Was it the, the, the culture and if, is it, was it a faster pace? Was it, it people not, were prima damas at that time? It, it, it's just, it, it wasn't even was it? that. It was the openness. The openness. To experiences. Let me give you um, a view of how theater 
actually works in a rehearsal set mm-hmm. or in a learning environment. Before you reach script readiness, mm-hmm. you have to reach... That's a new word, by the way. Individual readiness, <laughs> right? <laughs> you have to know who you are as a person. There's a lot of psychology in theater. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um, dissecting of person, whether it's the person across from you or you as individuals. There's a lot of internalizing and a lot of introspection mm-hmm. and stuff. And uh, there's a lot of like tearing down of one misconceptions, walls, stuff like that. You have to like face stuff. Wow. So this is, this sounds like a full psychological. Yes. That people think, I've heard people say like people who study art in university just play. They just go to play. But um, we don't. Um, w- <laughs> there was an incident where like two of my classmates got into a fight. Mm-hmm. And our, this is when we were in first year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had to be working as a group. So for you to work as a group, you had to be getting along mm-hmm. because the uh, the exercise was that we were supposed to perform a funeral, mm-hmm. but we had to carry the dead person. So this person had to entrust the class. Yeah, to lift them. To lift them. And we had to walk as a unit, step mm-hmm. for step as a unit. So you couldn't be shuffling. You mm-hmm. had to be walking Everybody take the, the same first step. Everybody take the same, same second, second step. step. And you move and so through like that from the theater to the front door and from the front door back to the theater. And then you put down the person all while singing a song because you have to be able to juggle both mental and physical capacities at the same time. Wow. Uh-huh. They got into a fight during rehearsal and the news got back to our um, teacher, uh-huh. our acting teacher. <laughs> the next class we went to before class, like as soon as class started, it was 10 of us. Uh-huh. Um, well, no, it was 20 at the beginning, and then we got split into two groups for second year. Uh-huh. The 20 of us got put in two lines, random, uh-huh. two lines, facing each other. It just so happened that the two persons ended up sitting down in front of each other. Uh-huh. We had to face each other. Uh-huh. We are all still pretty much strangers, uh-huh. even though like we're getting to know each other. Uh-huh. And... The task was this. I want you to look at the person directly in front of you and tell them five things that you like about them. Wow. That's all you had to do. And these are, these are strangers more or less still. More or less, we're just getting to know each other in the class. And, like, you know, some people, like, we had to pick, like, superficial stuff because we hadn't, like, known no, them yeah. much. So, but you still had to find them. You know, I like your smile. I think... Um, you have nice so hair. So far, yes, mm-hmm. I like your style in terms of how you dress, come to school, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it went down the line. Some of it was funny, you know, mm-hmm. and some of it was, like, really, you know? Yeah. And then when we got to those two, it was a boy and a girl. Mm-hmm. When we got to those two, he said... Some really nice things. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. About her. He said to her that from what he had seen, he thought that she was a really kind person. Um, she had a really pretty laugh, you know, stuff uh-huh. like that. And when it was her turn to say it, she broke. She broke? She broke down crying and she left. What are because you Because it makes you swallow what 
whatever it made you swallow whatever was between you, yeah. whatever contention was between you mm-hmm. and whatnot, and bury it. Bury it, yeah. And some people aren't ready to face that. That yet, yeah. Right? It's true. So they made us face it. Yo, and, and the thing is, I'm so sorry, like, to, to and probably, like, jumping, like, 500 years ahead, <laughs> right? But... Is that what drama is, is? Is that what drama is supposed to do? Yes. Oh, drama is supposed to be a group of people um, telling somebody else's truth because they're unable to face their own truth. Mm. They're unable to see what they're going through, or they're unable to express what they're going through. So that's why, like, sometimes if you have a serious drama group uh-huh. that isn't just about laughs... Yeah, true. And having and a good time. Stuff, mm-hmm. Yes, and having a good time. And you could really, like, um, deal with, like, some hard-hitting issues. There are some persons in the audience who will break. Because, because it's so personal for yes them. and nobody might know that they're going through this and they don't know how to express it so when they see it on stage they go oh my god i can totally relate, relate to this mm. to that this is talking to me specifically exactly and sometimes you just get a good cry out of them mm-hmm. and it helps it helps the other day <laughs> i don't know many people who listen to this they probably watch this movie it's it's called the notebook mm-hmm. uh, the notebook um, I'm going to be a little bit like, you know, just a little, I'm going to break down a little bit. I watched a movie about two or th- two times. I think two times in my entire <laughs> life. Mm-hmm. The first time I watched it, I think I remember crying, but I'm not so sure I remember crying, right? And the other day, me and my girlfriend, we sat down because she's, she's never watched it. She didn't watch it before that time. Mm-hmm. And we sat down and looked at the notebook. And like, I, I, I cried. Like, I, I, I was, like, there were tears in my eyes. But she was also, like, like you know, kind of hiding and I'm trying to shut her. She crying. But, like, I'm like, actually, baby, you're crying. And the thing is, the movie, what, I think what the movie touches on is what we want. Like, in terms of what we want to see in the future for our own relationship, mm-hmm. right? We want a relationship that's going to be somebody who's going to be just sacrificing yes. their love for us. Like, we want to feel like we're the most important part of somebody's yes. And to have that shown that's the power of like drama yes. right there it's like you see what you want you see where you are in terms of how broken you are and you realize you're not the only person that went through that yes you know what i'm saying so like that and, and that's one of the primary reasons why i wanted to talk to you today because it's like are we really exploring this in our own in our own social circle like in our own little part of the world in St. Kitts Nevis, you know, this little tiny country federation, are we really exploring the depth of what drama could do for us? Are we telling our own stories? Mm, not particularly, in my opinion. That's the honest to gospel truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I go to shows to support, you know, persons because I think support is necessary. Of course. Um, so whether I enjoy, like, your shows and stuff and I really do try to enjoy them sometimes mm-hmm. it just doesn't work all the time um, and yes yeah, some people might think that it's because I'm ultra critical mm-hmm. but it's not criticism is that I know we can be so much better but I find that a lot of the times okay I learned a lesson in school it was a simple lesson something the teacher just said 
Mm-hmm. Um, at the beginning of a lesson, and then we went into the lesson. All he said was, never underestimate the intelligence of your audience. Full never. stop. Okay. Never. Mm-hmm. Do not think that you have to stoop to always doing slapstick mm-hmm. because you think that your audience will won't get it. it. Yeah, it won't right? For my, for my final year piece, and we had to do productions for those of us who did directing. And it was just a handful of us because directing is one of the most challenging courses. <laughs> what is that? What is that? Sorry. Um, it's very stressful because um, at the beginning of the school year, final year, everybody has to do it. Mm-hmm. So you have directing one and directing two. Everybody has to do directing, directing one. one. So you learn about directing. And then your exam is that you have to pick a piece, an excerpt from a piece. You have to get performers. And then what you have to do in terms of presentation is you have to direct them in front of your examiners. Mm. And then after you've directed them, you have to let them run the scene on their own. And it shows whether or not you've been effective in your directing. Uh Mm. But directing two is you are completely responsible for an entire show. Mm-hmm. You have to put on a 30 to 45 minute piece. So you have to source your own actors. You have to find and get approved a script. You have to source your own props, sets, everything. If money is to be spent, it has to be your own. What? So, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. And you have to get your own audience. So, which means you have to what? Be in charge of promoting your, your, yes. your event as well? Yes. So, and the thing is, directing isn't just about, being a director isn't about like doing everything. Mm -hmm. It's about finding the persons who can. Mm -hmm. Delegating. Delegating. Yes, that is a very important word when it comes to production. But then which means that you have to be a good, a really good communicator because you're the one with the vision. You're the one with the, I I want this to feel a certain way. Could you help me? Yes. Mm. I thank, I, I always thank my lucky stars that the persons that I got to work with me on my um, final year piece were just like amazing. Just okay. They were like amazing. I had one particular um, actor, she was the main actor, who she was a year, she ended up being a year behind me even though we came in at the same time because she didn't get into drama school initially. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she did a year of dance and then she matriculated to into. drama. So she ended up a year behind me in drama mm-hmm. school. Um, but she lacked confidence that oh. she was able to do it. And I said to her, I wouldn't choose you if I didn't think that you were you actually able because nobody going to make me fail. Okay. You're not going to mess around my degree. <laughs> and I'm right? doing this over again. So you better... Exactly. That is this. exactly right. I wasn't going to repeat <laughs> it. So, um, and at that time, it was a really trying time in my life because that was my last semester. And that's when I got diagnosed. With, with lupus, with lupus. Mm-hmm. and stuff. So it was really hard. But, um, and I didn't want to do it. You didn't want to do it? What do you mean? I didn't want to do directing. When it was time to choose courses, um, the director of studies, he called me personally. Because as a degree student, I didn't have to. Only oh. theater art students, it was mandatory for them. Mm-hmm. But it was mandatory for anybody else. Okay. Because we were in different sections, mm-hmm. even though we took classes together. I didn't have to do it. No other degree person was doing it. None in um, education was doing it. 
just the two um, the two theater arts persons. Mm-hmm. And my director of studies called me and he said to me, I want you to do directing. I was like, well, I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, because it's challenging. It's a lot. <laughs> I was like, sir, that's a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. But he saw something. And he said to me, Keisha, I know that, one, you're going to enjoy it. And I know that you're going to do very well at it. So I want you to do it. And I'm just not taking no for answers. So you're doing it. But was he right? Was, and I was it? like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I never used to call myself them. But I did it. And it was the most amazing thing. Oh, man. Right? So he I, was right. Yeah, I chose a farce piece mm-hmm. um, called Dentity Crisis. Not Identity. It's called Dentity Crisis by Christopher Durang. Mm-hmm. And it's about a family. Um, basically, it highlights mental illness mm-hmm. and a lot of other um, issues, but mostly mental illness. Mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the daughter who tried to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. There's um, the brother slash father slash grandfather slash French lover. He was schizophrenic. Okay, so he would switch between. Yes, he would. Mm-hmm. There was the psychiatrist and his wife who were dealing with body dysmorphia mm-hmm. and they were like doing like um, body changes body between each other. Oh, no. Like one, they had like sex changes, like they became each other basically. Wow. And at the beginning of the production, we had like two pictures of three pictures of the family. Mm-hmm. The mother's picture, oh, she was an aging actress mm-hmm. who couldn't let go. Okay. Of that, you know, so that she was like stuck in the past. Movie I before. She was stuck in I'm the past. I'm ready for my close up this study, <laughs> right? right? So the pictures on the wall were right side up. Mm-hmm. Well, one mm-hmm. was right side up, the other two were upside, upside down, down, which you know was symbolic mm-hmm. of things that have gone wrong. wrong. And by the end of the, the show, that was turned upside down as well. Wow. Which means that they're completely... They pulled her to the other side. The daughter. She was the only one trying to hold on to her sanity. But she lost it. She lost it. But is it... it, What what you're saying is it that... I mean, in terms of directing, is it that when you go to our local productions, are we missing good direction? Is it... Yes. Yes. I can see that a lot of the times the actors seem... I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. But... That's how it translates on stage. That the actors seem to be more in charge mm. of themselves than, than the director. Um, and I know that because uh, dealing with some people here, I've noticed something. That because they've been accustomed to um, productions where there's always a laugh attached mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. it. They try to make everything a comedy. Everything has to be a comedy mm-hmm. and it gripes me because sometimes you need a serious moment. True. You know? And uh, and human beings have so much more emotions. Yes, it's, we, exactly. Everything we, doesn't have, have to, to be, be a, a joke. joke. Well, I right? mean, for me, I think I think it's difficult for my life. I think I try to make everything a joke. But it's so much different ranges. You could be depressed. You could be sad. You could be very stern. Yes. You could be lively. You could be empathetic. So many things. I we stick with comedy. I remember watching... What was it? Uh, what was it? I think it was Old Story Time. Being... Yes. Old Story Time was being staged. Mm-hmm. And there's a rape scene in a flashback. Uh-huh. And... There was laughter in the audience. Now, 
I'm just there looking at it because I've experienced this before where like audience laugh in terms of like when there's like sexual assault and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there are different reasons why um, like some some topics are touched on and then it solicits laughter. Mm. A lot of it has to do with nervousness. Mm. Yeah. Um, from the audience that, perspective yes. on, a, on a personal no, level? No, it's from the audience. Mm. It's not necessarily that the audience thinks that it's funny, but they laugh because they don't know how, how to express um, anything else. So they laugh. But in this instance, they laughed because of how it was it played was out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I've done... Um, well, story time in class, we've dissected this and stuff, and it's really nothing to laugh at because it dealt with colorism and classism and all of those things and whatnot. So I was like, why would you laugh, right? But then when you looked at it, it was like, yeah, that's why the you execution. would laugh. The execution. Because that's the actors themselves probably not taking this source material as seriously either. So if, if they're transmitting that, hey, look, you know, I'm going to just try to make this a joke because to me, if we're on stage, we're supposed to be funny all the time. Then they're not transmitting the message, the deeper message that they're supposed to be trying to convey for the scene. Okay. Let me give you another scenario with um, like a rape scene. Uh, the third year medical students of UE mm-hmm. at Mono, um, the third year has always put on a production. A the medical students? Yes. And they're very good at it. Because, and that's something I like because it, um, it proves that Everybody is multifaceted, mm-hmm. and not because you choose to be a doctor Doesn't mean or a medical profession else. means that you're not artistic. <sighs> and they are always so great at it, you know. All this mo- and it's called smokers, mm-hmm. and every smoker that I saw was really good, right? And the first one I saw, there was a girl there who uh, this. You know, she was trying to stay chaste. Mm-hmm. And there was this guy that was, like, always, you know, trying to get at her and stuff. And, you know, um, she, he told her everything under the sun. And, you know, she kept turning him down in that regard. In that regard. You know? Mm-hmm. And then eventually, she believed the promises mm-hmm. and stuff. And she gave him to, get him, gave gave him to him. him. Uh-huh. And there was a bed on stage. This is the setup. There's a bed on stage. And... Uh, um, they get home to her room, um, to her house. They go to bed on stage, and uh, they get into bed. Mm-hmm. Right, the lights go down so you can see only a silhouette. Okay. Of them. This right? is getting interesting. And uh-huh. they get into bed and get under the covers. Mm-hmm. Right. Stage goes black for just a little while, mm-hmm. and then the lights come back up. To prove that, you know, it's the next day. Mm-hmm. And he gets up, he turns his back to her, and just leaves. And mm. she gets up, and you can see her shoulders now. Mm-hmm. And she pulled up to her to, neck, uh, oh. and she's gripping it. Wow. And she hangs her head. Shame. And you could feel the shame. Oh, my God. Off of her. You could feel it. And you feel sorry for her oh, because man. you were down there screaming, don't, don't do, do it. it. He just using you. Yes. But then, I mean, do we get, do we get that at all? I, I, I can't remember ever going to a production and feeling like we, ain't, we, we get those emotions. Do the, we? I, w- when we did, I don't know if you remember when I did um, Hope's Journey, the Haiti production. I didn't, I didn't see that one. Okay, well, 
that one because it dealt with the earthquake the earthquake and the different disasters in, in Haiti. Haiti but in particular the earthquake mm-hmm. that was the focus I remember when I was doing um, research mm-hmm. for it because that's a big part of drama you have to do research mm-hmm. when I was doing the research for it I remember sitting in front of my computer and just bawling, not even crying. Mm-hmm. I bawl because I had to watch the videos mm-hmm. of them pulling babies oh, no. out from the rubble. And I not only looked at the earthquakes, but I looked at like the hurricanes and mm-hmm. stuff because they got hit back to back they, they and did. stuff. Mm-hmm. And my heart went out for them. But the children, how they were just like piling them up on trucks, like, you know, dead leaves yeah. and stuff like that. And so there was this part in the production where we had, I had three students, mm-hmm. the youngest ones on set at the time. Mm-hmm. They were in like, I think first or second form. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> their only task was to be lifted from one side of the stage, from backstage, mm-hmm. and be carried out on stage and just put to just lie down. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And we had Romaine mm-hmm. being um, a fire and rescue officer. Mm-hmm. Um, who, after the earthquake and stuff, he was clearing rubble, and all there was was a single light on stage, mm-hmm. and he just ran out with the first body, and he let out, and he tested to see if she was breathing, and she wasn't. So he ran back, mm-hmm. and he brought out the next one, and he laid them down, three in a row, and he checked all of them, and all of them were dead, and he just knelt and Screamed and the audience was silent, oh, and man. I was like, "Good, yes, this is exactly what <laughs> that's we what want. you want." Yes, the empathy and people had water in their eyes, and they were like, "Oh my god!" You so know? it is that's possible. What you want. It's, it's possible. possible. But then, what what do we do? Is it is it that um, because I mean, again, highlighting the fact that we're in Saint Kitts Nevis, we're in the Caribbean. What? How do we get more of that? Because when I go to most most shows that I go to, I tell you, ninety eight percent of comedy. them, it's a comedy some, show. It's some, some and and usually it, there's a lot of elements of of of, of Kittishan culture in terms of how we talk. Mm-hmm. The vernacular is is, yes, is we, very much. Yes, we don't that, tend to say like true to the scripts. Yeah, as they are written. Then no, we don't because the scripts are usually written in somewhat standard English. Yes, and but, then they translated. And dialects. we translated to minakumawaya, <laughs> you know. But but like but like what what is it what is it do we need do we need more training to be directors training, do we need yes but apart from that sometimes I think we just need a spine we um I think directors need to stand up to their um actors and for you them mean directors to, need to yes yes that's because the I think they need to understand that once a script is written it's not yours it's mine mm. and I am I tend to be if it's like okay. We did um, Jumbo Jamboree mm-hmm. the other day. Mm-hmm. That one had leeway for you to like switch Use it your up. Own mm-hmm. That was fine and stuff because that was just a lighthearted look at like our superstition and folklore and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But when we were talking about like the musical and stuff, I expected everybody to do what I asked them to do in yeah, terms of expression. speaking properly True. based on your character. And I got that. Mm-hmm. I got that. I wrote a standard sentence. I expect you to deliver a standard sentence. sentence. And I got that. And I didn't have to pull teeth to get, to get it, it. Right? Um, but then you have the training, though. Like, like is, it, is it... Because the thing is, what I'm looking at is... I'm always starting to think of... Where are we going? Like, like, like 
okay, let me, let me, let me, let me set this up better. I, I work within film. I work within film. I do, I do photography as well. Blue Tarch Productions, we do film, we do photography. But a big part of the films that we try to produce are stories, mm -hmm. all right? And they might not necessarily be cultural stories. They're no, just, they don't have to be. They're, just, they're sort of just human stories. Like yes. we try, our, our advertise, we do a lot of advertising um, stuff, yeah. um, commercials for businesses and so on. And our main thing is to try to connect the audience to business to the businesses that we're trying to, to yes. promote, but do it through emotion. Yes. So it, it could be it could be laughter, it could be funny, mm -hmm. but it also sometimes it could be just sentimental. Like mm -hmm. you want you, you could connect to this family on screen. The problem that we have is finding talents that are able to have that range to mm -hmm. produce the emotions necessary to connect with the audience that we're trying to connect to. You want to hire me? I would love to. <laughs> I could do casting for you. <laughs> I think, and the thing is, you say it, you say it jokingly, but I think we might have to because what's happening is it's it, it's okay. So 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 so, so I'm gonna let me just say, a company comes to us and say, hey, look, you know what we need is we need a bunch of child actors. Mm -hmm. Um, we need three child actors to act out something that's gonna speak to this specific point. Mm -hmm. Now finding those child actors are difficult. True. Because what we found is that finding girls are easy. Mm, boys. Boys are difficult. Like, there, there is nothing. Like, we have things like CDT for, for, um, for, for yes. dance, the children's yes. dance theater. There's fireflies. There's all but these I things. I still think boys Leap, should be in dance as well. But Leap, yeah. mm -hmm. Poise, all of these different groups that, de I hope I didn't miss anybody, the creative soul, um, they deal their their the, the demographic sorry to say is Girls. mostly women it's all women but when it comes yeah. to getting expressive males yeah it's like pulling teeth yes. and at any age yes why is that okay um we uh, socialization is a thing it's uh something that cri has crippled us and i don't know how to get our legs um, repaired mm -hmm. um, it's going to take a lot a lot of work we've been brainwashed and we brainwash our children to believe that there are things that are gender specific in terms of expression sure. if a guy does if, a, if we put our boy children to do dance then they become sissies or whatever sure. mm -hmm. but I always emphasize and people think I'm joking if I ever get a son He's going to join his sister at Fireflies once Heidi takes him. Mm -hmm. Because dance builds character, character and discipline and expression. It starts because you learn to use your body. Mm -hmm. In drama, we had to do a dance course. Oh. We did two movement courses. One was um, one was compulsory, mm -hmm. um, and one you, was a course you actually chose. The course wasn't open to me, but the teacher allowed me to do it, mm -hmm. and I got an A, even though I couldn't like actually get a credit for it. Oh. But I had a ball doing it. Mm -hmm. One, it was actual dance movement mm -hmm. course that taught you how to use your body in space. Okay. In a spatial um, area. Mm. So you understood spatial awareness yeah. when you're walking around on stage. And we did a lot of spatial awareness um, exercises for warm-ups and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the other one that I did was um, called Just Movements, where you learned dance, um, 
sorry, stage combat. Mm-hmm. So like I learned stage. to combat where I learned to fight with a sword oh, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Learned to swing on a rope, climb a rope, stuff like that. And specifically for stage to make it look Make it look Dramatic. great. Make it look how um like I stabbed you, slit you open, give you an actual slap, kicked mm-hmm. you, stuff like that. Right? Stage fighting mm-hmm. and what like and whatnot. Um and we did it as boys and girls. We did mm-hmm. it as men and women and everything. Nobody was exempt from anything. From this class. Um and when my daughter is at Fireflies and stuff, they do stuff where they have to do things with their faces. Oh, and stuff. Yes. And they're like, yes, that's what you're supposed to do. You have to learn to do to stuff emote. with your faces. Yeah. And um, in drama, like you deal with body parts um, bit by bit. And um, you have to... Learn to make like certain faces, faces. expressions. True. Instead mm-hmm. of so instead of like just your body, you have to emote with your face. You have to emote with your face, and um, a lot of times that's like the hardest thing, like emoting with your face. Because right? you could you could generally overdo it. Yes. Or you could yes. underdo it. You so you become a caricature of yourself and stuff like that. So you have to learn like the degrees at which to turn it up or turn it down, the on and off switch stuff like that, right? Um, but one of the most common exercises that we used to use to teach um, expression in terms of range mm-hmm. is a one-word exercise. A one-word. We are, it's, it's, it's a one-word conversation. We are like, there's a phone, mm-hmm. there's a telephone, and you have to go up to the telephone and have a full conversation on the telephone using the word yes or the word no. Just yes or no. But it's always just one word. One word. So um, the phone would ring <clears throat> and you answer the phone. Uh. Yes? Yes. Yes. I see. Yes. That's an interesting exercise. Yes, yes. 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 So you, you get a full range. Range, yes. Because you're not focusing on the words, you're focusing on the expression. Expression. Yes. So and you teach them like that. But then the, the thing is, so what? So do could you see that what we probably need to do is have more of a unisex uh, where to address this, like in terms of because I feel like uh, sorry to say, but I think the guys usually get the, the they get the bad end. The bad yes. There's they nothing. Do. They do. There's no. There's no. There's no equal. And, and I think I was talking to somebody then, and I said there's no equal playing field for boys to be expressive. Like we usually put them into sports, which is teamwork yes. and it's it's good, it's discipline, yes. But then they're not really taught to sh- to show emotion. Uh, the last thing you'd Most want aggression. It's more at least Most that's the uh, that's the only emotion that you need, or more or less. There's no empathy really. No. So not you, really. You, and for for any in any in any scenario. Being on a football field and being the most emotional person mm. won't be no. a, won't be a benefit to you at that point. <laughs> You're beaten up. But and even even the dances that I mean, when I was growing up um, in um, in church, we had a boy dance group. We had a, a male that boy. Let's hip-hop? say a male. It hip-hop? was always hip hop. It was hip hop. Yes. It was da- like more dance hall movements. Yes. But it was always. It was never like Ballet no fluid, no, but, graceful, but that's nothing. The thing. That's the thing. That is my problem. I'm like, that is why I said that my son would go to fireflies because I would not want them to like put a class for just 
the boys, most of the other groups that have started like male groups mm-hmm. is either they're doing um, salsa or they're doing hip hop. Yeah. And I'm like, no, teach them the ballet, True. teach them the Control, jazz, yeah. because ballet takes strength. It does, it does. It, have you ever seen like a male ballet dancer? Um, People have a problem calling them ballerinas, but they are. Um, a male ballerina. Please don't call him a ballerina. Right. Okay, but he call is, him ballerina. A male ballerina. ballerina. He is a ballerina. A male ballerina. When you see a male ballerina, whether he in tights or he not in tights, when you see the muscle tone it's amazing. on this it's ridiculous. man, the strength ridiculous. that it takes for them to do some of the movements, because it's not they're not pr- always just prancing around. And it, when you see the jumps that they do, the height mm-hmm. that they can get, and how flexible they are, yes. And it's not. It's, you see, the thing is, what what's the misconception between the male ballet dancers? I'm sorry, I'm not gonna call them ballerina because I know some of you are touchy, but. The, 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 what we see, we, 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 we equate the, the ballet to the women only. And mm-hmm. the women do different movements. The men do different movements to the women. Men lift. A lot of the times, they're lifting yes. the women. Yes. And it takes yes. a considerable amount of strength. Strength and concentration. and concentration. And concentration. And control. Yes. And discipline. And control. To lift somebody and bring them down with grace. Yes. It's not like you're just throwing them in the... Um, it's, not a, it's not just... It's not cheerleading. It's not just... Che- exactly, it's not cheerleading. But even in cheerleading, I'm not even seeing guys... Like, no. There's no guys... They only use them for like um, the acrobatics parts sometimes. Like, and and that's sometimes if they do use them. If they use them, yes. And that lack of... Conf- that, that lack of inclusion <laughs> is horrible. Consider this as well. A lot of our cheer, quote-unquote cheerleading squads, they mostly dance. Mm-hmm. They don't actually do Cheer. like cheerleading. Because cheerleading has a lot of gymnastics. Mm. And, whatnot, and I don't think they teach that a lot. Um, I would like to see like gymnastics like be here and stuff. Mm. Um, but then, I mean, isn't cheerleading supposed to be more about cheering? Yes. Like actually like coming up with chants and... That's part of That's it. a big part That's of part it. That's part of it. Because you're, you're supposed to be leading a cheer. Yes. From the, like, I think it was made to like incite excitement from the yes. audience. Yes. So it's like, we're going to win them. Yeah, we yeah. are. No, 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 no. But, you know, in competition, there's like the dance element, the yes. gymnastics elements and all of those things. But I think a lot of times we mostly have dance Dancing. elements and um, gymnastics and stuff. I would like to see like all of that and give them points for making up a cheer and stuff like and executing it while Make flipping it and stuff like that. Make yeah, it broader. I, I want to see that. Make it broader. Um, but we, like for us, mm-hmm. um, where stage is concerned, <laughs> yes, we we do have a problem with like getting well i don't know about anybody else's group i can only speak for mine um i don't generally have that problem yeah we'd be getting guys no no, no. um i get guys if i want them if i need them i need you here she's she's gotten me a couple times (laughs) rope me in here you go it depends on what the script like calls Calls for for. Mm -hmm. and whatnot um but like I remember when we did Valley, mm-hmm. when you were in Valley. To the mountain range. I, oh my gosh, you guys did me proud. Because oh. it wasn't, yes, the audience had their laughs mm-hmm. and stuff. And people could see that it wasn't a Caribbean thing. You know, we had Greek goddesses and all kind of stuff in there. There's a lot of influences. And, um, 
but you guys were like real true to like the characters so the pain came out mm -hmm. the vulnerability the vulnerability came which out which is I'm, I'm sorry to ad hoc to this but I mean me and my girl were talking the other day about that same thing and, and, and I told her even when it comes to music um What's missing is vulnerability. Mm -hmm. you, 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 we're not relating to you based... We're not relating, I don't relate to people based on how they look. Mm -hmm. I relate to people based on what they, what they profess, what they say, how they express themselves. Like If you tell me, like, I broke down the other day because this hurt me, that vulnerability, it pulls me in. It mm -hmm. makes me want to empathize with you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times in society, I mean, I guess this is part of the problem... Like, guys are taught not to be vulnerable yes. at all. So we, we, we tend to, like, put up this facade of, we're always strong. No matter what you do to me, yes. mom's going to be strong. But that doesn't work well for acting. No. Acting needs. No. It needs, even if you're being a comedian. Yes. There's a certain level. Kevin Hart wouldn't be where he is without that level of vulnerability. Yes, when he actually talks about, like, his shortness exactly. and stuff like that and his marriage and cheating and all that, he opens up. And you have to remove the curtain. Yeah, you, you have, have to, to remove the curtain. And that's that's exactly what's missing because let me let me tell you what, what a lot of people do wrong mm -hmm. when it comes around stage work. We have... There, there's something that you should do mm -hmm. and there's something that they actually do. You should become another person. You should become. They play another person. Oh, I see. No, we don't play. We, we become. become. You're supposed to right? become. Remember at the beginning we were talking about like the psychology? Yeah. Stevie, we even did the psychology of lights. <laughs> Colors. Hot, cold, temperatures. Colors bring about emotions. They denote emotions. I hate red lights on stage when they come on dancing. I hate it because it hides everything. It, it does. Mm. Everybody disappears. It does. In the red lights, right? There must be some other way to um, think passion and fire and stuff. There must be, right? Um, but once you put up like a blue light, mm -hmm. you know, it's either nighttime, it's a calm situation, yeah. stuff. Yellow, it's either you have something, like it's sickening, there's that envious, you know, th those kind of things, trouble uh, coming And the other side, it could be power, it could be warmth, it could it, that, be That, well, it dawn. depends on the white, because remember, remember, it's not yellow light that gives you that so much, but white light okay. and stuff like that. So, yeah, it depends you on the brightness and the mixes and stuff of like course. that, the balance, right? But when you're talking about psychology... There's something that we, we do when we learn about characterization. It's called pimps. Pimps? Pimps. Pimps. Pimp, like pimping you out. Oh, okay. You have to I, I, I'm stopped doing that. I left that life a long time ago. <laughs> you have to learn your pimps. Mm -hmm. Pimps of a character, simply. The physical, intellectual, moral, psychological, and social being of this person. This is a real person, person that you're dealing real feelings. With. Real feelings. Real feelings. A past. real situation. Exactly. Even if you got to make it up. If the writer does not write the past of the character, you have, you have to infer it in your head and stuff. You have to, like, wonder, okay, so the script says that the man walks with a limp. Mm -hmm. Why does, does he, he walk, walk with a limp? limp? What does the, the clues in the script tell you? Oh, he probably fought in war. A war. Mm -hmm. Which war? 
you know, based Holy on his scene. age, based on his age and his geography and all of those things, you should be able to like pinpoint something, something together. Exactly. So you Create then start to get his psychology that, oh, the war must be traumatic. Yeah, of course, it would be. Right. I wonder he he's suffering from PTSD, PTSD right? You know, mm-hmm. um, did he lose his family because he was away? Mm-hmm. Um, what did he come back to me? How did he fit back in into society? society. All of this will tell you why he is he behaves, resentful. Why he behaves he the way he that mm-hmm. he behaves. True. Why he speaks the way and it colors the character. It becomes yes. You you step away from the, the character being a shallow a shallow character. Just a shell, just a shell. To yep. actually being somebody. You know, it's funny because like uh, when you said that. I'm wondering if I'm seeing like our stories in like in saying it's in the Caribbean, if our stories really try to dig deep into the psychology of what we're trying to set. Because yes, we could see a character, but what if this story doesn't have a pimps? Co- no, every story has needs pimps. to have exactly every, and it's not the story, it's the person. It's the person. Because this is the thing. Um uh, yes, for for Valley, because I mean that's the one I think you would like most have a word. I was, I was in it. I was yeah, in it. I was, that you were there like for everything in that it. one, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, your wife, Kylo. Mm-hmm. Um, she was resentful because you wanted to be a poet, mm-hmm. and she wanted to be like this business person. person and like I wasn't that. making any money. I was a bum. No. I was on the chair. In her mind, in her mind, she didn't right? see me as anything. But the thing is, what? What is she? Like, who is she? Who was she, you know? How did she get there? Did her childhood dictate that this is what she should become? Mm-hmm. How did she grow up? Um, was she yelled at for not getting good grades? Was she um, told that she would become nothing, so she had to prove a point? Mm-hmm. Did she grow up being the only girl in the family, so she had to be like, I'm just What's as good what? as mm-hmm. the men? Mm-hmm. All of those things. Is she so in in society? Is she challenged? Like, do people look down on her because I'm not the same as her? Because mm-hmm. I'm not a, a business person? And that would only be her her psychology. Yeah. But how is she like intellectually? Yeah. Is she actually like this bright spark, or is she struggling? Mm-hmm. And that's why she's so frustrated. True. How is she morally? Um, has she fought with her faith? Mm-hmm. Does she have any faith, faith. at mm-hmm. all? Um. Does she believe in clean cut right and wrong, or does she blur the lines? In the gray area, right? Mm-hmm. Um, socially speaking, how did she grow up? Does she come from a poor family that she's trying to like distance herself from? Um, does she actually accept her place, or is her? Um, does she only want to climb the ladder of society? Sure. All of that colors her behavior towards her husband. It it does, but the thing is like. I mean, I think we're winding down. <laughs> we are. But I want to ask you one, one last question. And it has to do with, uh, I always ask people about what they think the future holds for, for drama. I know we didn't, we didn't particularly get deep into the situation in St. Kitts Nevis or in, in the Caribbean when it comes to drama. But you've taught drama in schools, um, in, in schools, schools, plural. What do you see... How do you see us moving toward drama in the future? What do you see drama... How, how is drama going to influence and shape us for the future? Okay. Um, this is a very loaded question. So <laughs> please take your time. 
Okay, so we've, uh, let's see. Since I started um, the whole CXC drama um, at the high school level, and I've moved away from that um, for different reasons, um, but it continues, mm. and now it's spreading into like other high schools, which I love, and I long for the day where it is in every high school and every primary school, because... Personally, I think that every high school should get it first, mm -hmm. and then we work our way backwards and then back up. Mm -hmm. It's one of those fluid kind of situations. I don't think it should be like bottom up, top down, whatever. I think it should go both ways. True. Right? Um, and all at once, if possible. If possible, but Resources. in our society, unfortunately, it's not going to be possible because of the attitudes towards the thing, mm -hmm. right? Um, we're unwilling to invest in training persons who can come back and train persons because we're not really looking at the benefits of this. If our children could actually express themselves, they wouldn't fight so much. Hmm. They would know how to talk it out, better. communicate and stuff like that, right? They could actually de-escalate situations without the help of a teacher or whatnot. They, can, they could better deal with things that are happening at home home mm -hmm. and stuff like that so they wouldn't be angry all the time yeah. right they would be happier because then there would be an environment where they would feel safe and whatnot um the problem the current problem mm -hmm. with the existing structure is that after children come out of the high schools that are already doing theater mm -hmm. um at CXC level, at the Cape level, the only uh, theater arts that is there is the dance, dance unit. Mm -hmm. So those persons interested in drama have nowhere to, to go. go. Then they end up like forming their drama groups and they fall prey to the slapstick um, type what of culture that mm -hmm. they think is what, because there's no further training mm -hmm. um, that's given to them and stuff like that. Um, then it dies. Yeah. Because there aren't any, like, groups around that really, like, could um, nurture them mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah, and people were like, why don't you start something? I said, like, because it's expensive. Mm, it and is. we don't get concession like that, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so it, the onus then becomes your own personal pocketbook. Exactly. To produce these things. Exactly. And a lot of people, like I said, they think you're playing, so they just frown upon it and stuff. And then the other thing is that because we don't have a structure for ourselves, mm -hmm. I know that they're in the works. There's a cultural, a cultural art center mm -hmm. that's supposed to be done, but it's supposed to be shared with sports. Personally, I'm not personally. I'm not thrilled about that. Mm. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not thrilled about that. I just think that the arts needs its own safe space. Its own space. Yes, it does. Because um, the stage for the trained mm -hmm. and the initiated is a sacred space, and when we are like doing like exercises or we're learning it's not an environment for shoes mm -hmm. and for scoff marks and all of those things and stuff it's also supposed to be an environment that can change it's mm -hmm. supposed to be fluid uh how the theater is in um at edna mm -hmm. we have a black floor because mm -hmm. we paint it often Oh. We paint sets all the time, so we change the floor. Uh -huh. And then when it's time for school, we put it back black. 
Okay. And it just has layers and layers of paint, of, on, paint it. on it. Mm-hmm. And it's fine mm-hmm. because black just means it's a neutral space. True. And then when it's time for a production, we, we have it. two options. If we have several um, productions coinciding, mm-hmm. the main production gets the painted floor. And then any consequent um, production, we basically used to get linoleum mm-hmm. and turn it over mm-hmm. and paint the floor on the linoleum. Okay. And put it and down. And put it down. Okay. Yes. So then it becomes a multi a multifunctional space. Yes. Yes. And you just move the uh, the backdrops and stuff accordingly. Um, but I cannot see that I happening. cannot see that happening when it's supposed to be a sports center. I don't. I, you see, the thing is, and and this goes this goes so much deeper into, and I'm probably gonna have to bring it back because we probably have to talk <laughs> about it some more. But um, it goes back to me not being sure if governments on this side of the planet um, really believe in in the cultural. <laughs> viability of, of it of, of drama the, the thing is the thing even is, just even of culture drama and and, and it's it's performing arts it's performing, performing arts. arts but it's it's culture they they talk about culture um in this uh policy sense mm-hmm. but not in a practical manner no, never. they can tell me on paper what it the benefits are but they're unwilling to actually execute what these benefits are True. we've been trying to get this like cultural policy off the ground for like decades and yes, I, think I haven't have. seen anything in like concrete yet but the minister can tell me that you know I've been to this convention and this conference and stuff like that and yeah we know um, that it's important and stuff yes but what are you doing, doing about it right that is always my question what are you doing about it personally I don't think that the Department of Culture is very active in our society I don't and um, I know some people don't want to hear you say, say that, that mm-hmm. but it is the truth one thing I can tell you about drama, um, the stage that for persons who have ideas that they want to express, it's supposed to be a safe space. Mm-hmm. Because of artistic license, it's supposed to be a safe space. Just yes, like a Calypsonian has the um, the leeway to have to do social commentary because mm-hmm. that's what it's for. That's what it's for. That's what Calypso was made for, mm-hmm. for social commentary. It was. And um, that's the same thing for the stage. It's there for social commentary as well as all the other good stuff that a we talked level about of autonomy. before. Mm-hmm. Right? It's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But in our society, people are afraid yeah. of going up on stage and saying the truth. And yes, saying the truth about the society mm-hmm. because we have been it's been pummeled into us that if we do something or if we say something that even seems a little bit like a criticism, yeah, then you will be blacklisted. Mm-hmm. Your livelihood will be threatened True. and you will pay. For right? It. Mm-hmm. And we're not willing to pay that cost. I don't have that fear anymore. You, uh, you probably don't. But that's a very good point because, I mean... It's so easy for us to say left wing, right wing. It's so easy for us to say, oh, you're in this political party, that political party. It's such a charged environment that even if your truth is unbiased, because I think I should have the ability to criticize anybody. If, you, if I voted for you, didn't vote for you, if I didn't vote at all, I should have the, the lenience to, as an artist, to critique anything. Yes, constructive criticism. Constructively. It's even if it's not constructively. <laughs> because... As you that's said, your freedom, it's my freedom right. of speech. It's my right. right to share my truth. It, 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 it's the same as if you say, Calypsonians, you can't talk about this political party this year because they're in power. Mm-hmm. No, that, that completely stifles the art. It completely ruins the art in and of itself. That's what it was built to do. 
but it it speaks to um, a wider truth. We do not live in a democracy. Oh man, that we you, we really do need to have a different show for this. <laughs> not a different show, but just because we could dig really deep into that. We don't. Um, we do not live in a democracy, and um, when people ask me to describe myself. Mm-hmm. I say to them, I am simple in my complexities and I am complex in my simplicities. I am a That's liar. A <laughs> I am a liar mm-hmm. in the sense that I will stand on stage and I will tell you things that in my world, it's a lie, mm-hmm. but in somebody else's world, it's absolutely, it's the absolutely truth. true. Without a shadow of a doubt. Exactly. On camp, we had to do a little skit. We were doing competitions between teams, Mm -hmm. and there was a drama piece to it that I would have preferred if somebody else in the group went for, but nobody wanted to volunteer to complete the group. Mm -hmm. So I went, and majority of them don't know that I'm trained in it. Mm -hmm. So we went, and we were supposed to be two um, Christians Mm -hmm. who were supposed to be witnessing to two unsaved mm-hmm. persons, but it was specific unsaved persons. It was uh, one girl was like all caught up with this one guy mm-hmm. that was like the center of her world. Uh-huh. And the other girl was um, all over the place because she got stuff from all the different guys. So she was more or less promiscuous mm-hmm. and whatnot. And when we were getting ready for it, this, I said to them, this is how I feel about witnessing. I don't want anybody to come and tell me about Jesus. Mm. I want to sh- you to show me mm-hmm. what your life is. And let that be the testimony. And let that be the testimony. I want you to come and sit down with me. Let's play some cards. Let's play some dominoes. We can have a drink. You can drink Sprite if you want or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Do not come and condemn me. Just sure. come and lie with me. I need to see you, right? Mm-hmm. And... We did it, and, you know, we wandered around and stuff like that because at the end of it, all I asked the girls for was for their phone number so that I could check up on them to make sure they were okay. I gave them mine and told them, all you have to do is if you need a lift somewhere, call, call me. me. You want somebody to talk to about Be anything, call me. Be the good you want to see. Exactly. That is powerful. That is how uh-huh. you get people to change. Sure. But sometimes just opening up you know your hands and saying hey i'm, I'm here help. i'm available mm-hmm. now one of the things that i want to do i don't know if i'm going to get to do it in this life mm-hmm. but it's a dream of mine i always wanted to do psychology mm-hmm. right um and i'm still hoping that i get to do that degree and actually get trained so that i can practice mm-hmm. the ultimate thing that i want to do apart from doing shows and owning like a small theater space mm-hmm. and stuff is I want to be a drama therapist. A drama therapist. Yes. There are art therapists mm-hmm. where you would use art, like drawing visual arts, mm-hmm. um, to get people to display what's bothering, bothering them. them. Mm-hmm. There's music therapy and there's drama therapy where you create an environment whether it be for children or families, mm-hmm. you create an environment where they can play out their hearts uh-huh. um, and they can face them. This is really And they can heal from them. I've never heard of that. Like, I've never heard of that. Yes, it's a thing. <laughs> 
It's a thing. It's it sounds like a genius thing. idea. It sounds it's like an, an amazing thing. Idea. It's an actual thing. Um, I want to be able to like sit down with women who've had like miscarriages and who are struggling, whether in their marriages, their relationships, or whatnot, and just even if they can't express it, I can sh- I like allow my team mm-hmm. to perform for them mm-hmm. so that they can see it. They can see it, yeah. Yes, I, I want to do that one of these days. Wow. Guys, we've been talking to Keisha Adams. My God, we have to we have to talk again. <laughs> I think I think no. The thing is, I, 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 we we brought you on the show because we wanted you to talk about your drama experiences, which I think you did an amazing job of talking about your drama experiences and what you feel drama means, right? Awesome. But I think there's so much of a deeper component that we really haven't touched on, which has to do with more or less the the politics of drama. Um, and digging maybe a little bit deeper into some of the problems that we have with drama in terms of getting drama to be what it needs to be Mm -hmm. and having it illuminate and enlighten the people that we need it to illuminate and and, and enlighten. As you were talking just just now about um, drama therapy, that's the first time I've ever heard of that, but it just makes sense. Like, why wouldn't there be a drama therapist? You know, like, why wouldn't there be, like, why wouldn't drama do for the individual, what it has done for so much of us, mm-hmm. which is to open up our eyes and, and see how much we could empathize with just the human condition, like humanity as mm-hmm. a whole. Yes. Like there are so much stories that we are not, we haven't told about this, the peculiarities and the nuances that exist within the Caribbean community. Yes. Um, and I think in the future, what I would love to see, even from my own part with film, photography, whatever I could do, is to showcase those stories and to find those stories where they are. Find people who are good enough to write these stories mm-hmm. so that we could convey all the range of emotions that we have in this part of our, our universe, right? But guys, we've been talking to Keisha, and Keisha's been awesome, but now we're going to go into the last part of our show, which Keisha, and, and she's the only one that I've ever told that this part of the show is coming up. By the way, Keisha, you're the only person <laughs> so far that I've actually told we're going to have this party show, which you have to say three incorrect statements. We're going to take turns. So I'm going to say one. You're going to say one. You're going to say one. She had time to think about this. Yeah, so but she, I wasn't thinking about it. I was focusing on the discussion. She, this is not my fault. She had a, she had a leg up on the competition. She had it. So I'm going to say one, and then she's going to say another one. All right. So first incorrect statement, Clorox is the best thing for the inside of your body. I think you should drink multiple gallons of it today. Uh, Nothing like a healthy body like Clorox. Got Clorox? <laughs> That's my first one. That is incorrect. Guys, please don't do it. Keisha. <laughs> she could, you, you guys don't think she should dramatize it, whatever she says. No. Okay, I'm not going to put you on the spot later. No, no, no. Um... Okay, uh, meat is inherently bad for you. Meat is inherently bad for you. Interesting. I think a lot of people would disagree. I know. You know, you know what? I'm going to pause just to say this. The, the past two um, people I've had on this show, I'm not going to call their names, but the past two people I've had on this show have all shared very controversial, incorrect things. <laughs> very controversial. I love it. I won't even try to dissuade them, but I'll let it go. Okay, so my second one is, if you wear a blue shirt every single day of your life, 
it will eventually turn red. On blue moons, the sea turns purple. Isn't that true? Nope. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> um, the sea doesn't have a color. It doesn't. It's just water. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because as soon as you said it, I was like, doesn't it? Doesn't it? And I'm thinking in my head, like, when I was younger, I used to say, Mommy, how come this sea water change in color when I lift it up? How come it ain't blue no more? And her thing was like, because salt can't turn no color. <laughs> that was incorrect, mom. That was incorrect. Refraction and reflection. Refraction and reflection. It's just, yeah, it's this guy. Okay. Um, there is enough oxygen on Jupiter for the whole world to live comfortably. <laughs> that, that is my last one. Pluto will always be a planet. Oh, man, that was savage. <laughs> that was savage. I love it. I love it, guys. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us on Objectively Incorrect. We've had our guest today, Keisha Adams. She's a playwright. She's an amazing person. She is a scriptwriter. She's a revolutionary. And she said she's absolutely not afraid, which makes her a rebel. <laughs> I think. Not miserable, but <laughs> Go just a rebel. Keisha, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks, guys. Take care. Wait, one thing we have to do. Wait, Keisha, I don't know if you want to do this because I don't think you're promoting anything specific, but do you want to tell people to get in contact with you? Or? New Age Production. New Age. Uh, my husband and I, Della Adams, uh, we are the um, directors and also producers um, of New Age, New Age uh, Production. I do stage. He does film. There you go. It's a match made in heaven in the new age no not in heaven <laughs> in the new age no. so how do you get so how could we get i mean do you guys have a website or facebook uh at the moment uh things are being um how do you call it redeveloped mm -hmm. uh as it's a rebranding of course of our individual um thing mm -hmm. we had some setbacks but hopefully we can get things on you know, on mm -hmm. um, board, like, pretty soon. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can add us in the meantime on Facebook, New Age Pro, you know, New Age Productions. Uh, you can look us up and you can see, like, pictures of our past work and yep. stuff. Mm -hmm. And, like, little, like, clips and stuff. And all our contact information is there. Is there. Well. If you need um, script advice, we do casting. Um, he does videography, editing, Stuff, I know. So, um, you know, so we guys, hit them up. It's New Age Productions. These guys are really good. They're really talented and they have tons of years in the business. <laughs> Not to say that they're very old. They just have tons of experience. <laughs> so, right, guys, again, thank you so much, Keisha, for being here. Again, this is Objectively Incorrect. Thanks, guys, for listening. Bye. And peace, no gang signs. <laughs> Take it easy.